0: Colossians 2, we're going to read the first 10 verses, okay? Colossians 2, verse 1 says, For I would have you know what great conflict I have for you. Here's an apostle, and he is speaking to them. He's telling them, really, the word conflict comes from the Greek word care. He has tremendous, there's tremendous care. For, for those that he has been ministering Christ to. and as an apostle you can see where here's a man of God that has been into, in the third heavens in second Corinthians 12:1 to3. Uh, he was in the deserts of Arabia in Galatians the first chapter 18th verse. right after he was saved he was sent there and for three years he abode there along While Christ was ministering to him And giving him all these truths Not just for him But for every single one of us And so there he was And uh, then he went Obviously he went on His three missionary journeys And you can see If you read the book of Acts Some of the things that he faced And he faced it quite a bit He even faced in his own life Depression The apostle Paul That's right. Third heaven. He was in the third heaven. Christ was his... The heavenly Christ was his pastor teacher. The words that those before Christ was crucified were being taught the kingdom doctrine by Jesus Christ as he walked the earth. Everything that Paul received was from the heavenly Christ. And yet, with all of these truths, this mystery doctrine, as he says in Ephesians 3 verses 4 to 8. All this mystery doctrine, all of these tremendous things, yet this man still was depressed. You see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13. But he said again in verse 14 that Christ would always cause him to triumph. But nevertheless he had to face that. And he needed and desired desperately to be ministered to. And that's That's true for any man of God or any person of God in terms of being a leader. And remember who a leader is. He's a complete follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a leader is. You can't lead unless you know how to follow. And you can't bring people to Christ if you don't know how to follow him yourself. You and I could never lead them to Christ. But with all of that he really wanted and deeply desired to be ministered to. He, he had led uh, Titus. Titus was uh, very close with him. Titus was a Greek, wasn't a Jew, but he ministered to him and taught him thoroughly the things of Christ. He imparted Christ to him, and to the point where that he could even be ministered to by Titus. Remember, he's an apostle, he's been in the heaven, Christ was his pastor teacher, and he still needed to be ministered to. He still desperately needed to be prayed for. And with all the care of the churches, he still had his own personal struggles. He still had his own personal growth that he had to go through. He still had his own adjustments as an apostle. He wasn't playing a role. He was being real, real in Christ. Real in Christ, yes, but he was not playing a role. And finally, Titus came to him in Second Corinthians, the seventh chapter, five and six. And he would, he said, "I was just comforted when Titus finally came. Finally, he came, and he could be built up. He could he could be comforted uh, by this man. But here, the the tremendous." And, of course, it's a grace responsibility. It's a receiving responsibility that he got to feed the church. And that's what a man of God does. He feeds the sheep. He's to feed the sheep that are Christ's. He has to feed himself. Or <laughs> He's not going to feed anybody. He has to continually feed himself. Uh, but then the care of all those churches was on him. And the churches, again, are the sheep. (laughs) They're the bride of Christ. They're the body of Christ. That's who they are. And so he said, "I, I would have you know, apart from his own personal things that he had to go through, he said, I would have you know what great conflict I have. I have for you, for all of you, and for those, that are, for those that are at Laodicea, and you can see in Revelation the third chapter, verse 14 to 18, and right up to verse 20, you'll see why he had such care <laughs> and conflict for the church in Laodicea. Because certain things had gotten into their life that was removing them from Christ. And so that was a care for him. And, and it was a means of conflict, by the way when you preach the truth, when you preach Jesus Christ, and there's nothing greater. And even when I say preach, all I'm saying is that as a pastor, to receive continually the things of Christ is the most phenomenal thing. We've said before, there's nothing like hearing the voice of Christ. There is nothing like hearing His voice. There's nothing greater. And there's no greater humility seriously, than to hear the voice of Christ. No greater humility uh, on, uh, in all the earth. There's nothing, there is nothing more for us here. There is nothing on this planet for us other than to receive his voice, to receive what he has for us, to let it flow into us. And believe me, it cannot flow out of us until it flows in us with tremendous freedom and rest. But this was a care that Paul had. He said he had a great conflict. The conflict is that there is an atmosphere. There is a thief in John 10, verse 10, the A part, who constantly wants to come into our life to steal, to kill, and destroy. Paul, if you're going to be a messenger, well then... And, you're, and, and God has chosen you to be his voice. Yes, it's his word. It's his son. It's his word. And the word is Christ, his son. is going to flow through you. Satan can't do anything about the message. He can't do anything about it. But what he will do is he'll go after the vessel. There's no question about it. That means he'll go after me as, as the pastor. Uh, just a sheep myself, a member of the body, and then he's going to go after you because he doesn't want you and he doesn't want me to make more of an issue of the treasure that's in us than the vessel. Anything other than what we get from the voice of Christ, from the word of God, will always put the attention on the vessel and draw our attention away from Christ. That's why Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, looking away from all that would distract unto Jesus. And boy, do we ever, 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 ever need to pray. Keep ourselves in prayer before God. Keep a watch on ourselves before God. And how much more do we need each other's prayers? The greatest thing we can do for each other is to pray for each other. To get into God's presence. And and I mean, even when we pray, when we want to go into God's presence, it isn't us just, in a sense, just barging into God's presence and start praying to him. Because none of us even know what our need is until we ask. If we lack wisdom, if any, in James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. None of us has any wisdom outside of Christ because in Proverbs, the eighth chapter, wisdom is the very personification of Jesus Christ. It's his very person. And I don't even know what my need is. Never mind do I know what to pray until I get into his presence. Then I can find out what my need is. And instantly it will be met. And when and he's the one that meets our need. It's not so much what he would give us in response to what we ask. He wants to give more than what we want to ask for in terms of things from him. He wants to give him us himself. He wants to give us himself to us. That is the means of our rest. We wouldn't have to go anywhere else if we truly knew him, who he was in us and who we were in him. Because Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your need, not just some of it. What is our need today? What need do we have? Okay, do we even know what the need is until we get into his presence? Do we even know? We don't know. But the Father, through the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is so ready to reveal where the need fullness need the fullness of the need comes from and that's through Christ. but no man knows Christ but the Father and, and it says and to him whomsoever he will reveal and how is he revealed? We said the other night, it takes God to tell us who God is. It takes God to tell us who we are, and God will never tell us who he is outside of Christ, and he will never tell us who we are outside of Christ. And so there's a great depth of fellowship, a great continual depth of our need being met in his presence. And in Psalm 1611, in his presence is the fullness of joy. Does the the father have any greater joy than his own son? Was there ever a greater demonstration of his love than when he gave us his son on the cross? The greatest demonstration. And out of that love comes what? A tremendous joy. A tremendous joy. So Paul said this, I would ha- I would, that you knew what great conflict, the great care and conflict that I have for you. It's for you. And for them that are at Laodicea. And for as many as not, has not seen my face in the flesh. And what was his prayer? This is his prayer. That their hearts might be comforted, number one. Yeah. Way back, the Holy Spirit said to the prophet Isaiah in 40, verse 1, this is what I want you to do. I want you to comfort ye. Comfort. Comfort my people comfort them. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 He is the God of all comfort. He is the God of all comfort. How is He manifested? And how is He declared? But yet through His Son. That's why when they said to Him Philip and those disciples said to Him in John the 14th chapter in the 8th verse Show us the Father. He said unto them what? In verse 9 If you've seen Me you've seen the Father. If you've seen Me You've seen the Father. And how, how important it is for us to see him. To see him and who he is in us and to see who we are in him and that will always continually give us the great greatest comfort. And then that comfort that you and I are comforted with in our own individuality in the preparation of his presence in the preparation of receiving who we are in him we begin to be knit together in the Greek we become knit together in what in love in love and what does it say unto all riches of the full assurance notice what it says we have all these riches and they're to give us full assurance nothing to doubt nothing to worry about nothing to fear nothing to fear Fear. He said the other night, like, I think it's like 90-something percent of all fear, phobias, the things that are, are projected against us from the atmosphere, and they're not even true. and never even came to pass. It never even came to pass. Yet we lived in the false reality of them because fear in 1 John four eighteen has torment. That that's not of God it's not of God. So being knit together in love and unto the unto all riches of the full assurance. There's, a, there's an absolute full assurance and in that full assurance is a full acceptance. We are fully accepted in Christ and anything other than that is a lie. The full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of, of the mystery of God it's no longer a mystery it's been revealed to us it's been given to us it's the mystery of God it says and of the father and of Christ and look at verse 3 in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge where are they hid? they're hid in Christ where are we? we're in him and he's in us we need wisdom. Listen, if there's anything that we need today, any of us, every moment, of every second of every life, if you want counsel and if I want counsel, and by the way, in Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent His word, Christ, and healed them. Do we need healing today? Okay. Where do you go for it? Jesus Christ. He sent His word and He healed them. And He delivered them from all their destructions. And in the Hebrew, it's in plural. One healing for anything that could come in and destroy true thoughts. True thoughts about Christ and God. And they're hid. By whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Do you think we need that today? Do you think we need wisdom and knowledge? Do you think, as any of us, even begin to think that we have it in ourselves? And this I say, and this is what he's saying, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. What were they enticing? They were enticing to lead them away from Christ. Christ. You go, listen, you don't have to go anywhere else but right here. Because they're enticing words, and I'll guarantee you when you don't and I don't go to Christ, then anything that I receive from anywhere or anyone else will be enticing me to go away from Christ and put the onus on myself. For instance, your past. Well, the last time I checked, Jesus Christ, the moment I received him, dealt with my past. Dealt with my past. There's all, kinds of, there's all kinds of helps, and they're called self-helps. Self-helps. Even in Christianity, it's abundant. Well, God will help you deal with self and the problems that you have in the past. Excuse me. Christ died for us. He died as us and he paid for our sins. Let's start right there for some counsel. Truth of the matter is, he's already set us free. We just need to get to receive it continually. The facts then and the facts are in Christ. And this I say, lest any man, I don't care who it is, any man should beguile with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, he's saying, yet I am with you in the spirit, praying. He's in the presence of God for them. That's right. We need to be in the presence of God for ourselves. And we need to be in the presence of God for each other. And yet, I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith. Now, he's telling them, listen, through what I have taught you, through the Holy Spirit, through what Christ has accomplished. So in other words, Paul's saying, I'm, an, I'm a vessel. I am only going to give you what, what's been given to me through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's mine and it's yours. And, and God has God given it to you. And it's caused you in many measures to, to, to walk in right order. Okay? 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty three. God is not the author of Confusion. He's not. If you're confused, and if I'm confused, it's not of God. But he's the author of life and peace. Christ is my life in Colossians 3, verse 4. Christ is my peace in Ephesians 2, 14. He is our peace. Now, so he says this, that there, and there's steadfastness of your faith. In other words, your entire dependence in areas of your life is in Christ. You're depending on him. You're not depending on yourself. There'll be all kinds of counsel that will tell you, you can do this. You can control yourself. You can't do anything. (laughs) These are philosophies that come from the world. All kinds of philosophies, and they do not come from God. Make that crystal clear. They don't come from God. They don't. Because all the wisdom and knowledge is hid where? It's in Christ. And if you're not receiving what's of Christ, you are not getting God's wisdom and knowledge. Mark it down. It's the truth all day long. Drop it and run from it. In anything in your life and in my life. As you have therefore... Receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What he's saying is, listen, through the power of the Holy Spirit, taking the things of Christ through me, Paul, a vessel, and giving them unto us, giving them unto you and unto us, we need to continually walk in them. Walk means how we uh, allow our lives to be governed, who we give authority over our life to. Oh, my. Oh, boy. Who's our authority? Is it ourself? Do you think we can do anything about ourself? Do you think we have any authority outside of Christ? Do we think that any man or woman has authority outside of Christ Almighty? We don't. They don't. There isn't any. There's no authority outside of Christ. But as you have received him, Christ, so walk in. What he's saying is after... You've received all this teaching about who Christ is in you and who you are in Christ. Continue to allow that to govern you and be your authority. Why? You need to be rooted and built up in him. That speaks of growth, but it speaks of a continual receiving. Established in the faith all the truths that make up who Christ is in his person and what he's accomplished. Who he is and his person in you and who you are in him. Who he is and what he's accomplished in you and for you and who you are and what he's accomplished is tremendous. As you have been taught. See what it says? As you have been taught. And boy, do we need to be taught continually. 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 Because if we're taught that way, then we won't know any man after the flesh. Anyone. Anyway, we won't know any of ourselves after the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.16. There's a lot of counsel out there today that will tell you it's going to counsel the flesh. No, no man after the flesh, says God. You're to know yourself after who I've made you to be in Jesus Christ. Old thing. Look at, listen, here's the greatest counsel in all the world. 2 Corinthians 5.17, all things are passed away. Not in the process of, they have in Christ. All things are passed away. In Christ. Behold, all things are new. You're brand new. And we need to be taught continually who we are. We need to know it. It's been imputed to us. Through the cross, when we received Christ as our Savior, we were justified, sanctified, regenerated, redeemed. All of these tremendous truths in the Word of God instantly. And it was all ours. But look look at what he says. We are to, to be taught. And you know what happens when we're taught continually? Look at what it says. It says, with thanksgiving. Do you know what happens when we stop receiving what we have been taught or stop being taught? Not so much thanksgiving is going on. There's not. We don't become thankful for all things in Ephesians 5.20 and in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 in all things. Because why? Because Christ is for me in all things. Romans 8.31. That's right. Psalm 56 verse 9. And he's in me in Colossians 1.27. In all things. In all things. So, I need to be taught. Why? Because in verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. What's philosophy? Something that's not of Christ. It's not centered around Christ, it'll draw your attention away from Christ. (laughs) Don't touch it. Don't touch it. It amounts to poison. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. What they're peddling, the atmosphere or anything outside of Christ, what they want to peddle, whether they're ignorant of it or not. And Satan can do far more covertly in terms of people not even understanding it, yet telling you things that don't come from Christ. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain, empty deceit deceiving you and I with things that aren't true. Projections in the atmosphere. Fear. This person's doing this because of that. The way they looked. The way they treated you. All of these things. All of them. See. Beware. Because it can be vain. Empty. Vain. Nothing. There's nothing in it. We have everything in Christ. Outside of him is nothing but vain deceit. It's empty. Even this, the deceit that we're living in, and by the way, deceit is quite a thing. Because once Satan can deceive deceive us, okay, then he in, in that deceit he will do away with any need for uh, for the provision that would come from Christ, and we live in denial. Deceit leads to denial. Denial leads to I don't need a provision any longer. I'm all set. I'm good. Beware, lest any man spoil you through vain through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. And let me tell you, Christendom in America is loaded with it. It's loaded. Programs, all kinds of things, all kinds of stuff. Where's the teaching of Christ? Why did they assemble? Why do we assemble? Why do we come together? I mean, can a body function apart from its head? Can it? I mean, are we his body? Ephesians 5.30. Is he our head? Colossians 1.19 and 2.19. Can our body function apart from the head? Just think about it. Their life, life is flowing constantly because my head is attached to my body. There's a continual life being received. There's continual life in it. Well, after the tradition of men, Jesus said, in Mark seven thirteen, you make vain empty. The word of God through your vain deceit, you make the tra- the tradition of men makes the word of God of none effect. That's right. What is the word of God but Jesus Christ? after the rudiments the elements listen, the elements of the world, the satanic world system you think it's you think it all appears bad to us? No in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan is an angel of light and that's why Jesus said if your eye be single right? how, how is our eye single? It's through Jesus Christ, period If your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye be evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then he said in the 23rd verse, If the light that be in you be darkness. How great is that darkness? Anything other than Jesus Christ is vain deceit. It's the elements that come from the world system, the cosmic system. The elements that try to creep in. What was going on? with those that were at Colossae. This is what was going on to them. There was all this philosophy. Like, philosophy today is so mixed with Christianity, it's unbelievable. It, truthfully, is disgusting. It's, it's totally repulsive, because it comes from the world. Philosophy, mix it with Christ. And then they were mixing it with, with the cold, dead Judaism. Legalism and philosophy coming together and trying to mold it into the teaching of Christ. And let me tell you, it is loaded in the church today, it's loaded with it. And, not, and listen what it says. After the root of, so look what it says beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Number one, vain deceit, philosophy. Let's philosophize. Ooh, let's get into the deeper things. It was this mixture of this oriental philosophy that came from the world with cold dead legalistic Judaism. And that was beginning to creep in to their lives after Paul taught them. Yeah. You know what the Judaizers and the Gnostics the Judaizers, the Pharisees, they would all follow Paul. As soon as he was done teaching and preaching in an area, he would leave and they'd come right in and start trying to reteach the people. Mm. Where do you think that comes from? If it doesn't come from God as a source, where does it come from? Who's the God of this world? Ephesians two 2, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Who's the prince and power of the air? Who is he? John 12, 31. John 14, 30. It is Satan. Absolutely. Remember, he was Lucifer. The name meant "son of the morning, bright light. That's right. He has some things to tell you. But they just don't happen to be from Christ. That's what was going on with these people here. Right? He was saying, so any man spoil you, right? Here you have this beautiful fruit. You know the most beautiful, ripest fruit is the most easily bruised? Ripe. It's beautiful. It has great taste. Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's given us fruit. And it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians five, twenty two and twenty three. It's of the Holy Spirit in in the sense that he takes what Christ has accomplished, the fruit of the travail of his soul. in Isaiah fifty three, verse eleven, and he gives it unto us. He is the true vine. Listen, John fifteen, verse one, He is the true vine. There's no other kind. Don't go anywhere else. He's the true vine and you'll be the branches. And by the way, if there's any area in your life that doesn't show fruit, he will faithfully prune it so that it does. But he's the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can do what he's already done for you. He's the only one that can do in you what he's already done for you. The work of Christ has been done for us. Now the Holy Spirit begins to do it in us. And this is huge teaching. Huge that we need to, all of us need to hear. And so, it's vain philosophy, vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world. Where do they get their tradition, their philosophy, how they do things, how they structure everything? After the elements of the world system, and who's the God of this world? Oh boy. And not after Christ. That's what it says. See it? Not after Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness. Do you and I need to be full? Do we need to be filled? Where are we going? Where are we going for that? Where do we go for it? To the mountains? To to escape? To get up to the mountains? Yeah? And you know what the mountains cry out? He created us. That's right. I go down to the ocean, and the ocean cries out, it's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Anywhere I go, in Psalm 19, 1, two, 3, there's not a language that it doesn't speak, but it's telling us where to go, just like the Holy Spirit through the Word is telling us it's all him. It's all Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hey, do you need to have a father? Psalm 27, verse 10 When my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Jesus said, I'm going, in John 20, verse 17, I'm going to, to my father and your father, my God and your God. Mm-hmm. Do you need a father? The answer is in Jesus Christ. No man can come unto the Father but by Him. John 14, 6. No man can come unto the Father but by Him, and we're in Him. He said, "God, do you need God? Do you need a God in your life so that we won't be our own God through being deceived through Satan and really Him being the God? <laughs> go anywhere else. I go to my Father... And your father, my God and your God, in John 20, verse 17. That's where I go. Do you need comfort? Well, I'll comfort you. I comfort you by name in heaven in Hebrews 7:25, in Hebrews 9, verse 24, and in, in Romans 8, verse 34. I'm going to intercede. And while I'm up there interceding, I've sent down the Holy Spirit of promise in John 14, 16. In the 17th verse, he's the Spirit of truth. He will tell you who I am constantly. And by you knowing who I am, he's going to tell you who you are in me, (laughs) in him. You're in him, not by doing, but by receiving him who's already done it. And don't receive anything else. Do you need that? Do we need a God who knows all things in 1 John 3.20? Do we need a God who knows all things? When we don't, we can't figure them out, can't understand them. Listen, there's only one who does, and that's God. And he has revealed himself fully. He is the fullness. You see it in Colossians 2, verse 9. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Don't go anywhere else. There's nowhere else to go. There isn't. God has given us the greatest one to be the greatest place for you and I to reside in. And then it says, he is filled up. We've said it before in Colossians 2 9. Jesus Christ is filled up with all of who God is. And he was given to us. And then in verse 10, it says in the King James, and you are completed, it means, and you are filled up in him. He's full of all of who God is, and all of who God is is for us. Amen. And we are filled up in him. And let me tell you, if you and I think that, and I could kill us, and I say this in the light of John, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, Satan. Greater. And this is the victory that's overcome the world, by the way. Not overcoming, but has already overcome. You know, the world's already judged. You know how God judged it? He rose his son from the dead. The fact that there's going to be a judgment to the world, not us, thank God. We are delivered from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, 1 Thessalonians 5.9, Revelations 3.10. We are delivered from the wrath to come. It doesn't abide on us in John 3.36. We are in Christ. But the fact that he rose from the dead, that proves that our sins are dealt with us personally. This is what the resurrection proves. Everything about us is dealt with. It's done with. The old's passed away. I get to be counseled continually of who I am. Not what I was. Not who did this and who did that. None of that stuff. It's who we are in Christ. There's the freedom, and you will know the truth. And what will the truth do? Set you free from anything that's not of it. From anything, filled up, we are filled up in him completely. There was all kinds of hindrances back then that were coming against the, the believer, against the Christian, for them not to function in what was theirs. And believe me, it's no different today. It is no different today, honestly. But thank God, this is what we have. This is what we have. We already have it in Christ. Thank God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2:2, I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What's that? Jesus Christ, your living life. Your very life. And He's crucified. What does that mean? He dealt with everything old about you. (laughs) You're brand new. Well, I don't feel it. While well, your feelings and my feelings don't have anything to do with what God has accomplished in Christ. Furthermore, in Second Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith. In other words, we allow our lives to be governed by the authority of Jesus Christ, who has taken care of it all, and not by our senses. Not by our emotions. Not by our feelings. I feel bad today, therefore I must be bad today. Lie. All things are new in Christ. Who's telling the truth? Who can we trust? And then we'll close with this, Proverbs 3, verse 5. And we haven't touched that the way we will have to go into it tonight because it's absolutely, phenomenally loaded with truth, and it's all for us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Your mind, the Greek, the Hebrew word is lab, L-E-B, long E, lab. Trust in him, trust in him with all your heart, your mind. Result, and you won't lean unto your own understanding, and you won't lean unto anyone else's understanding who's outside of Christ and tries to tell you things. We're not to go anywhere else, ever, ever, because they will be to the lowering of the glory of Christ and to our own danger and hurt. That's what they're designed to do. By the way, they're designed, anything other than Christ and us receiving any other counsel than Christ is designed to keep us continually in bondage and under the control of something or someone other than Jesus Christ. Period. Period. And that's why I'll be up one day and down the next. I will be riding the, ro- the Christian roller coaster. <laughs> and we all can do that when we don't live in the mind of truth, but we live in our emotions or our feelings. Romans 3, verse 3. Should their unbelief make the word of God of none effect? Okay. Here's the effect of the healing of God's word. It comes towards me. Should my unbelief... Make it so that it isn't from God and it wouldn't do what it's supposed to do? Verse four, let God God forbid. God forbid. Let God be true. Let God be truth. And every man a liar. Where does the lie come from in John eight forty four? Who's the father of all lies? A murderer from the beginning. Listen, (laughs) when you and I don't receive from Christ, we're receiving lies, and sooner or later, it's not going to work. It won't work. Looking away from all that would distract unto Jesus, and you cannot look to him. You can't look to him if there's other things, distractions that are coming into your life. Listen, why are we on this earth? Why are we here? Romans 8, 29, to be conformed to the image of Christ. And he's conforming us, not based upon our performance or what we can do, but what he's already done and is ours to freely receive, but then in comes philosophy, which is nothing more than vain deceit after the traditions of men to draw us away from Christ and to stop having fruit be produced in our life. Then we get, you know, when there's no fruit that's being produced in your life, then you get to be a little bit hungry. And then you're hungry. And hopefully God will bring us to the place of starvation where, okay, I'm done with the self-help. I'm done with the self-hope. Someone tries to give you hope or, or, or help in yourself apart from Christ. How long is that going to last? <laughs> Not going to last. We, this is what, this is what, This is the greatest counsel that God could ever give us. And we said it the other night, too, and we didn't tape it. It was about marriage, too. Phenomenal, you know. It was really phenomenal because it's Christ. It's Christ. So thank you, Lord, that we have all of this truth that's in you. And thank you that even when we don't function in what is ours in you, there's still no condemnation. Even when we don't function, Saul, you still love us. You love us. There's no condemnation. Oh, God, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Romans 8, 1. None. There isn't. There's no condemnation. And you cannot attach guilt to someone that's no longer condemned. Does away with the guilt. And boy, oh, boy, that's a monster that none of us He knows our frame in Psalm 103, verse 14. And boy, I'll tell you, so does that enemy of ours who tries to put things on us that God never... And who's the burden bearer, by the way, if it isn't Jesus Christ? There's a reason why even in the government towards Israel in Isaiah 9, verse 6, the government, the rule of the people's lives will be upon his shoulders because he's the burden bearer. Nobody else's. No one else's. We just continue to receive... And when we do, we continue to, to live in the freedom that Christ is and who we are in him. In Jesus' name, amen.